0: Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. My name is Risha York and I will be your host. If you are overworked, overtired, overstretched, overwhelmed, just over it, you are in the right place. We like to say we are currently working towards Zen-ish. I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Let's see who will be supporting us on our path to Zen today. Our first interview is with Lauren Miller. I looked up Lauren online. I was... I was Googling the term recovering perfectionist because somehow I thought I was a genius and came up with it. No, not true. And so I find Lauren and I'm reading her blog and I was like, okay, I have to talk to Lauren. So we had a nice chat and here she is today. So I'll give her a chance to introduce herself now.
1: Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really exciting to be here and and I'm super pumped to just chat about something that is so near and dear to my heart. Um, so I am 26 years old. I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I recently graduated from Dalhousie Medical School. Um, and right now I'm a first year resident in psychiatry, um, which kind of goes along with with all the sorts of things that we're going to talk about. and And that's not a coincidence, I don't think. Um and yeah just just super excited to be here.
0: Amazing. Thank you for joining us and thank you for being my first guest. This is so exciting for me. <laughs> um <laughs> when we talked about doing this, you know, I was sort of feeling the waters and calling people and I was so excited and inspired by how into it you were right out of the gates. And so um you told a bit about your story, but um I'd love it if you could tell us when did you realize that you were type A? and or recovering perfectionist as you put it and what challenges has that presented
1: yeah so it's one of those things i think that you in hindsight you know you're like ah i don't think everybody was the way that i was um and and particularly with people who are more type a and more perfectionistic um that lends itself to to high productivity and achievement and doing well in a lot of areas. So you don't really think about it at all really because things are going well. Um, I would say it wasn't until I got to university that I that I realized that it was maybe a bit problematic. Um, and it's one of those things too where it's hard because on the one hand, like, yes, it, it is problematic and causes a lot of psychological distress. And at the same time, it is, in and of itself, probably a good chunk of the reason of why I have been able to do the things and get to the places that I am. Um, but yeah. it was in medical school when I was surrounded <laughs> by ultra, ultra type A. I was feeling type B for the first time in my life. Um, and that's saying something um, that, that I really started to kind of sit back and, and, and think about it and, and say, you know, we're all so stressed. We are so high strung. You know, and, and and nobody thinks they're good enough, and we all feel less than and imposter syndrome, and there's there's just no way that that can be true, and and then I got kind of more into honestly Brene Brown, got down a rabbit hole about her yeah the gifts of imperfection, uh, which really like changed a lot for me yeah uh, and that that was when I realized ah oh, there is another way, and it like I think I was. I was good into my twenties before I started to give myself the permission to not be perfect. And it's just been uh, a delight.
0: Isn't it a game changer?
1: (laughs) Yes, it truly is.
0: But you're right. I mean, I think that happens to a lot of us, right? We are rewarded for being type A and it is a skill. Like it's a skill. I was thinking about it today because I'm running around picking up after people and getting things done. And I'm like, do they not realize it'd be way more efficient <laughs> if they did it this way? And I thought to myself, "No, they don't. They don't realize. <laughs> so that's your brain doing that, yes, right. And sometimes it helps me, and sometimes
1: it's not about being efficient mm-hmm. right <laughs> And like that was that was kind of a a big light bulb moment for me when I realized, like, it's some of these things, I'm like, when I realized, and by that, I mean, like, when I, when I read the work of somebody who has done a lot of work on this, um, that, you know, so much of, of, of perfectionism is not just, like, striving to be the best, it is running from the shame of failure, yeah, and I learned that, I was like, yeah, I feel like I had been lying to myself for my whole life,
0: (laughs) No, it's true. Right. And just sort of digging into that, like what's, what's scary about failing and where, where did that fear come from? Cause you know, I get it, you know, through school, we're inundated with, you want straight A's and you don't want to fail that class. And, you know, failures talked about in, in ways that it'll ruin your life. But frankly, like I know people who failed out of school and they're doing great. So it's not, it it's about finding the things your strengths right it's finding your strengths and and leaning into those and then also being willing to fail so that you can become good at other things because you're not going to be great at everything right away
1: <laughs> but wouldn't it just be so nice if we were <laughs> I mean, you know
0: it's funny I feel like I have this conversation a lot in my house um my six-year-old he's he's good at a lot of things right away and so, I, like, I totally see him as a mini me. I was like that too. If it, I'm not great at it right away, what's the point, right? And I was good at a lot of things, so I'm like, well, I have all these things I can do, right? Why do I need to do the things I'm not good at? Well, because that's that's where the learning happens. Yeah, right. And, and it's
1: it, it's it. I think there's a saying or it's probably a quote but something to the effect of of you know what drives like true genuine learning is curiosity and to be curious you need to acknowledge the fact that you don't know everything and therefore like there are things that you need to learn and there will be things that you don't know how to do and there will be trial and error um and when they say it it is so cheesy you know it's like oh well the you know our failures are our greatest learning opportunities but it is true um if we can get out of our own way like and take like the personal like oh god like I'm a failure and just look at it objectively and say okay what happened you know like how can how can I do this differently Of course, I wasn't going to do it perfectly the first time it was the first time. Right. You know, like I'm here learning for a reason. I am literally a learner.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Give yourself some grace. Allow yourself to make the mistakes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I remember very clearly. Do you remember like the day or the year where you realized you didn't know everything?
1: I would say medical school. beginning of medical school was quite the awakening you go from like university undergrad oh I'm gonna I have this test and I'm gonna memorize everything and like I'm gonna do the exam and I'm gonna know exactly which ones I got wrong and like the two percent that I lost and I'll be okay with that and then you get to medical school And people really don't like to hear this. So like, I apologize to all the people that have to now know that a pass in medical school is 65, but (laughs) 65 has never been so hard to achieve. And there's just so much out there. And yeah, so that, that, and I had to get to a point also in medical school of, I I tried to, to, to prepare myself psychologically for the day that a failure came. Yeah because it's 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 really not about if it's about when and if I can get myself in the headspace of like this is a part of life you know it doesn't mean that like I don't belong here it doesn't mean that like I'm not good enough it just means that this is just like a bump in the road and I am not any less than because right. of this um, and and so it's almost like preventative like psychological therapy in that sort of sense of like I am going to fail someday. I don't know if it's going to be today, but I will someday. And I am going to be okay. Despite that.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. You should say that. Cause I remember thinking when I was in university, um, I had a roommate and she was brilliant. I mean, brilliant. She had a 4.15 average or something. It was insane. And so I'd be beating myself up over whatever I got on whatever exam, and then i'd remind myself like you can graduate medical school with a c <laughs> like i had to keep telling myself that like i'm not saving lives <laughs> that's not my education i'm going to school for theater and english i'm not going to kill anybody <laughs> so yep. like if i'm getting a c it's okay it's all right. It's not the end of the universe. Now, personally, I would freak out about it, but I had to keep reminding myself. So it's so funny should say that because that was like my mantra when <laughs> I got a grade I wasn't happy with when I was in university.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to say um for uh, I don't know if, if this will like legally get me in trouble I don't think so but you don't need a doctor who knows everything you need a doctor that can think critically about all of the different things and like help you on your journey yeah Just, be
0: resourceful right I mean yes. ultimately at the end of the day that's all any of us can really do
1: yeah
0: you can't know everything I know, unfortunately. (laughs) I mean, I remember very distinctly that I was 27 years old when I realized I didn't know everything. Um, I was blessed for a very long time being, you know, (laughs) I picked things up really quickly. I was just really good at the things I chose to do. I had a great group of friends. I had a wonderful support system. I finished university. I was like at the top of my game. The last year I was in university, the year behind me, all made t-shirts that said, WWR do what would Risha do? No joke. Wow. That was really humbling. Cause I was like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but the year <laughs> the after who, me? that, like me, are you sure? Um, the year after that, I moved home and I actually had a double pulmonary embolism and I was hospitalized and my whole world just like came to a standstill. And there was a lot of relearning, like who I am and what am I doing, and I'm stuck in bed. So how do I entertain myself? And so there was a lot that happened there psychologically. But when I was up and running again, I got to this place where I was like, okay, like I'm ready, I'm I'm willing, I'm able, let's do this. And I'm throwing myself into things. And it was like two or three years, probably throwing myself into things a hundred percent before I realized, you like you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. Sit down and listen. And I mean, life changing. Yeah, life changing. I was tenacious. You know, I I wanted to do things and be places and. I mean, truly, it was a near-death experience, right? And it just reawakens a lot of things in you. You know, these are all the things I want to achieve. This is all the stuff I want to do. And, you know, to my own credit, because I'm super type A, I've done most of it at this point. (laughs) I've got like three things left on my list, right? But... I think what happens is we get into this headspace where it's like, go, 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 do, do, do.' And we don't celebrate those wins along the way. And because we're highly capable, we don't need to. It's fine. It's the doing that we find the the joy in, yeah. But if we don't stop, you can't ever get that, you know, rush of endorphins when you celebrate actually achieving something.
1: That, yeah i have heard that before too that something inherent in in type a is that ability to delay gratification uh, and it sounds exactly what you're describing cuz you're like oh well when i when i do this then that then then i'll have made it or like in 10 years when i achieve that goal like we don't need like the immediate gratification not to say that like perhaps it wouldn't be good for us yeah it'd be great uh, for us yeah yes <laughs> Like I don't have to finish reading the whole chapter before I treat myself to like a walk around the block. You know, I could just go if I'm not free. Go focused. and have a walk. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> like just give yourself permission. Yeah, hundred percent. And so that also it made me think of when you said, you know, I I can use people around me, and I don't need to know everything, and and everybody has a skill set. So I was just on um, an internal medicine rotation. 'Cause in first year of residency, you do a lot of off service. So off service for me is anything other than psychiatry. And so I was on internal med and it's it's notorious the being on call overnight for just like bad things happening. Right. And as as the off service R1, you're the first call. Um, so it's very anxiety provoking and I remember like putting in my like my group chat my co I was like guys like what should I be reviewing like what do I need to know do I have to have like ACLS in my back pocket and just like all these things and I'm super catastrophizing and trying to plan for like every little thing that might happen. And they're like you're gonna be fine like no do not study like it, it's fine and I was got myself so worked up being like well if somebody codes in front of me like I'm the person I have to know what to do. I don't know what to do. This feels horrifying for everybody involved. And then on the first night that I was on call, so they didn't completely code, but this person who on handover was like quote like very stable, um became not very stable. Right. And they their pressure dropped pretty low and they spiked a fever and they were elderly and so it was very precarious and I immediately um, call the first thing I did was call the the respiratory therapist and, and she came up super quick and managed the oxygen and then you know I, ha- I have some skills and I was like okay we're gonna do blood cultures we're gonna do chest x-ray we're gonna empirically start this antibiotic in case he's septic um, and and then I called the senior because I'm like okay I'm not alone like there is a senior resident downstairs doing something else so I'm gonna call them so I ran the story past him, I was like, hi, this is the story, this is what happened, this is what I think we should do, you know, is there anything that I'm missing, is there anything else I should add, and he kind of gave me a few other things to, to add on He said, you know, give me a call if like, things get worse or you're worried, um, and then because, you know, he's old and has all these medical problems. I had to do a specific dosing for the antibiotic. And like, of course, my first thought is like, oh God, I'm going to like kill him trying to save him. And, but I'm like, but there's a pharmacist on call. So there's I called a the pharmacist. pharmacist. And I was like, hi, I'm just wondering if you could help me. And the moral of the story is that I went into the night thinking that like, I needed to know everything to save everyone. And that was not true at all. I just needed to be to accept what I didn't know. Yeah. And Ask not like, exactly. And all the people are there to help you. You oh, just 100%. have to yeah. have the, the ego check to be like, this is beyond me. Yeah. And I this need is help. a team. It's always a team effort. Right. Yeah. And that was like really eye opening, And then I felt so much better for all of the rest of my call shifts. I was sure. like, if something happens, I have all these people. Yeah. I'm like we're going to work together. Yeah. Senior just,
0: nurses who have been there forever, who know what's oh, up. Oh, yeah. Right? Like,
1: they're, <laughs> they're like, ask favorite. me, the- <laughs> like, oh, can, can, can I do this for this person? And I'm like, is that what you would usually do for them? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, mm, yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just, they know, they yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that's one of the special things about, about residency is is having all the experienced professionals around you kind of like watch you kind of grow up and and kind of come into your own and into your confidence. And and everybody gives you a a little piece of themselves along the way.
0: Yeah, it's so Um, cool. And isn't that true of anything, right? Like, as you move along, those mentors and leaders that you meet that really have that impression, you take little pieces of what you learned from them along the way, and it fuels what you're now passing along to the next generation, right? It's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so how did you come to psychiatry?
1: So I actually I came by it super honestly. I mean, some people come into medicine day one, they're like, I am gonna be an orthopedic surgeon. And they just that's what they do, and they do it and they don't waver. And I don't even know if I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I was like, ah, I like kids, I like sports, you know, maybe I'll do med. maybe I'll do peds. Um, and then kind of, as I went through med school, I don't know, I, I almost, I liked everything and I said, okay, so I, I like a lot of things, but this is not like liking something is not enough to sustain my joy for the rest of my life. Um, and so I got like quite intentional about it. I think in my second year kind of because first and second year are very much classroom based and third yeah. and fourth year are very clinical and so as i'm about to enter the clinical world i'm i'm thinking a lot harder about well how am i really going to figure out like what to do with the rest of my life and so I, and we talked about this a little bit before but so much of the messaging we receive is that i need to look externally to figure that out yeah um and we'll, well, what what do you think I should do? And I've been thinking this. What do you think? And we're, we're seeking, like we're, we're data Validation. gathering. Validation, exactly. Like seeking all the reassurance that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm impressing the right people. Um, and what we really need to be doing is is the opposite, is getting like very introspective, getting very intentional with, you know, for me, I, I was reading a book I told you this as well. It was called the confidence gap. Um, because I'm somebody who, um, throughout like university, I played, um, sports and and I had a lot of, a lot of performance anxiety to the point that it was like quite debilitating. It took a lot of the joy out of it for me in the end. Um, and I was really worked up that that was going to happen in medicine because essentially like you are being evaluated, you right. are being watched, you are expected to perform every day. Um, So I was kind of trying to get out ahead of it. And one of the things they talk about is, you know, figure out what your values are. And, you know, it's not so much like, what am I doing today? It's how, how am I showing up today? Yeah. And so getting intentional with like, how, how do I want to move through the world and so I, I like sat down, I did, I, it felt like a little bit dramatic and silly, but it was, it it was, it, it was life-changing, and then my value list came out, like, as, as what, number one was authenticity, number two is compassion, and number three, was, like, physical and mental health, and number four was meaningful, like, relationships, yep, and, So in my third year, like that's when you rotate around all the different specialties. And I I tried like every day, actually I taped the sticky note with like the list of of my values. I taped it on on the wall. I did, I did (laughs) above my desk. That's what I tell
0: all my clients to do. You did the thing. I did the thing. <laughs> I, it wasn't even a hard thing. I just did, it, it was just, right? A thing. You it's just not have to a hard it. thing. So, if any no. of my clients are listening, it's not a hard thing. Keep <laughs> it up, put it in front of your face.
1: Yeah. And then every day I come home and, well, I tried to like do a little reflection at the end of every day that lasted like two weeks and then I got very tired. <laughs> but I did, <laughs> I did, I did, I did every day and I, and I kind of checked in mentally and I said, like, how am I feeling today? Am I feeling happy today? Did I get like a level of sleep that makes me feel okay? Did I have time to exercise today? On this rotation, do I feel like I have time to see my family? Yeah. Uh, and, and and like yes the work like yes like was I intellectually stimulated? Was I did I go home and I just I could I had to read about it because I just I just had this drive to figure out what was going on because I was so fascinated. So there were those two components. It was like do I like the work? And then it was, do, do I like outs like my life outside of work? Because work is a huge part of life, but it's not the only this part of not life the only
0: part. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so for me, psychiatry just was the perfect fit because especially with like the number one value for me being authenticity, like psychiatry demands like that you show up authentically, yeah. that you are vulnerable, that you are present, that you are engaged. And if you are not like, it's yeah. just not I think I, that's I can't actually help you. why you
0: and I connected so much because that's <laughs> my top value too. So authenticity is so important to me. And it's funny, I have this conversation with a lot of people, but um, I had a revelation probably about four years ago. Like I knew my values, but I couldn't figure out I'd go to networking groups or whatever, meet new people, and there'd be someone where I was like, Ooh, I I can't do it and they're like what oh no I love that person and I'm like really okay and I'm totally like you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all so just keep my mouth (laughs) shut go home but I kept like I don't care if everyone likes me that that makes no difference to me but I always question when I don't like someone else that everyone else likes I have a moment like, okay, is that my stuff? Like, am I jealous? Is there, right? Like, is this something I need to parse for myself? And recently I've come to the realization that there's a handful of people that I think they're just not authentic, right? They just come with their masks on. And I can't get in past the mask. And so it's a huge red flag for me. So it immediately puts me in a defensive space and it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I couldn't understand it. This is like years. I was like, where's this coming from? And then when it clicked for me, I was like, oh my God, of course. Like my top value is not their top value.
1: Yeah. Like
0: it- And it it shapes your world. Yeah. It shapes the world. And so then you start to realize, like, I don't have to be friends with everyone. And, um, I forget who told me it might've been an old mentor of mine said, you know, it's like yin and yang, right? For every dark, there's a light for every light, there's a dark. So if we take that into perspective, 50% of the people on this planet are not going to like you. Oh, and I was like, Whoa, (laughs) that's so many people. (laughs) <laughs> We're like, oh
1: God.
0: and you likely won't like 50 percent of the people you meet and i was like whoa oh okay that just changes the whole frame
1: yeah and and i think like there, there's so many of us who we could we could fit in anywhere yeah. you know like you put me in any room i can shape shift to, to fit in like no totally. problem my um, empathy is so exhausting. high
0: <laughs> my empathy is so high that I meet people and I'm like oh yeah okay I'll be on your level you're down here I'll be down here
1: you're up here I'll be
0: up here I it just immediately yeah it's like
1: reflexive yeah but no it, it it's it is exhausting and you don't realize it until you are somewhere that you belong Like, and yeah. the difference between like fitting in and belonging is like when I fit in like as I just said, I can fit in any way. I'm shape-shifting. When I belong, I can just show up authentically and that feels right. And that honestly, like looping, this is like a really like big circle all the way back to how did I pick psychiatry? But, but that's really what it is, is is that that I just feel like I can show up like as I am. And that is part of what makes me great at what I do. Yeah. Um. And it's protective in terms of burnout and exhaustion and all that sorts of stuff, because I, I don't feel like I go to work and I have to like turn myself on. Like, okay, like now I'm going to be work, Lauren. Like, no, I just, I'm just me. Yeah. And like, yes, there are certain things I have to turn off and compartmentalize at the end of the day, but I don't have to turn on and off the way that I show up in the world.
0: Right. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that's kind of what you want right? Like for everyone, (laughs) that's, you want to be able to show up 100% as you, you want the people who surround you to be inviting, you know, you want to feel comfortable just being you. And it's, I think it's certainly something a lot of people struggle with when they haven't taken the time to get to know themselves. I was going to say, yeah, because you have to actually know who you are to do that. And that's a process. I think people take it for granted. Like, Oh, I'm going to go away to college and I'll find myself like, no, that's not exactly how it works. If you go away to college and you basically fit in, like you just said, right. Then you haven't learned anything. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. There's still so much for you to learn about yourself. And I think that values piece that's integral. How do you, how do you go forward? If you don't know what you're about, where are you going?
1: you're just bumbling. You're like, like a what piece is the seaweed weird? floating in the
0: ocean. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I have a friend who's really big on um what does she call it? Oh, I'll remember it. But anyways, it's essentially that like progressing without direction because you you just find things and you know, on happenstance have these amazing experiences. And I was like, "Sure. Okay. Yeah, I get it. But how long is that fun for? I mean, for me, mm-hmm. It's not for me. It's not right. Like I have to have a yeah. really solid idea. I don't need to know. Um, I mean, I like to have goals. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm a goal oriented person, <laughs> but more than anything, when I sit down and I look at my top values, that's how I make my decisions more than anything. Yeah. Right. So not, I agree. not having that, I would feel lost.
1: And I think, too, you know, there's a big difference between being flexible and being without direction. Yeah. So, uh, like, for me, like, just this, this is a very salient example. Like, I can remember sitting in the lecture hall in medical school, like, exams are coming up, and, like, the row in front of me, they're a little bit lower, and, like, they all have their calendars up, and every minute of their day is like from this time to this time I'm going to walk a dog and then I'm going to meal prep and then I'm going to go to class and then I'm going to go to the gym and then I'm going to study and I was like am I supposed to be doing this like and (laughs) and it was that was when I was like oh my am I not type a like
0: um But I I have lived that life. I have lived that (laughs) life, Lauren. I tell you, I used to work for a company where I was, I would show up at 7 a.m. I would leave at five. I was there from seven to five. My entire day was booked across the calendar. I had to schedule pee breaks. Oh, no. That's how busy it was. And then I'd leave there and go and run a theater company in the evening. So basically another (laughs) old time job. Oh gosh, that was my life. It was overscheduled to the point where I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And what would happen is the downtime, the time I actually got alone was never restorative. It was escapism. Hmm. I'd be like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I wasn't me in that time at all. I never felt like me. I was checking out. I was watching hours upon hours of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was just somewhere <laughs> things were dark <laughs> Else, like I just needed to be in another universe that wasn't this universe because I'd scheduled myself to death
1: yeah and I mean like I'm all for like a bit of scheduling but
0: sure structure is important yeah. right like and structure I
1: mean, yes I mean,
0: come up with some really brilliant things when we've put some boundaries in place and boundaries have you read um Nedra Tawab's um, set boundaries, find peace. I have not. It is so wonderful. It and, sounds delightful. Oh my gosh. You would actually, you just completely
1: love her. I've,
0: she, you I'm have a, to,
1: can you send that to me after?
0: Yeah, I absolutely will. Okay. Um, I'm a massive fan anyway. So Nedra's book is one of our recommended reading, um, pieces for my super type A attempt at being Zen, the program. And in it, she talks about setting boundaries and how they're important and how they, they put you in a place where you have control, but also allow for that flexibility if that's what you need. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just so brilliant. And it gives you a little bit of insight too, into the kind of things that maybe you're doing as a super type A person, because you think you get control
1: oh that's one of my favorite quotes i i I literally just sent it to somebody this morning it was a quote it was actually from liz gilbert um and it was you are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control but you never had control all you had was anxiety
0: and when i read that i was like
1: like, oh my god i feel attacked it's like I I don't have any control and and that's that's so much of it as being type a and like wanting to control everything and yeah wanting it all to be perfect is is leaning into that like self-compassion piece and saying I I cannot control everything and accepting that and learning how to sit with uncertainty yeah knowing that things will probably be fine like they might not be perfect but i bet they're probably going to be fine you know um
0: this week i had you know those facebook memories
1: they like pop
0: up and it's like eight years ago right (laughs) like i did not need (laughs) to see that so this week it said like eight years ago or something like that and it was a post from me that i put up and it said (laughs) um life is not Meant to be efficient, period. Repeat. Life is not meant to be efficient. Repeat. And it was funny because it came up for me on one of those days where I was honestly like astronomical stress. I had one work day last week, one. Kids sent home sick, PA days, like just one thing after another. And you know it's like you're trying to get up and you keep getting knocked down you try to get up and keep getting knocked down and you feel sometimes like really alone in that feeling too where you're like no one sees it no one understands no one gets it i don't have the help i don't have the support i don't have what i need i'm freaking out right so i had basically an entire week like that last week and of course this memory comes up on the weekend and I'm like, hmm <laughs> yes, I understand, Risha, thank you. So it was one of those like, thank you past Risha for at least having a moment of wisdom that you decide to share on social media so that future Risha could come back to it and be like, right, gosh, sometimes I'm smart. That was great. Uh, <laughs> I am good. <laughs> that was really good. I gotta remember that. Um, but yeah, it's so funny. Like we get ourselves worked up into this, you know, overwhelming stressy space. And we know the tools. Like we know the yeah. We know the work we've done. It's not like it's it's not like it's new information, but sometimes you just need to be reminded. Yeah. Right. So actually and- that brings us to the next question. So you and I when we were talking, you were talking about completing the stress cycle. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like how do you end when you're spiraling and freaking out <laughs> And
1: you're just like me. I mean, for me,
0: I'm a puddle of tears, and that's how I end it. But, like, how
1: do you (laughs) You know that's that is one of the strategies it is? Um, so I mean, I guess like first, just do you think like your your listeners would be familiar with what is like the stress cycle and these sorts of things? I think
0: think they'd probably want to know, like, what is the stress cycle?
1: Okay, so. This is perfect. I love evolutionary psychology and I will do the sparks nose version but essentially it's like in the in the you know cave age you know the the stressors in life were like oh like I have no food like I'm going to starve or like this bear is chasing me and I'm like it's going to get me. And the kind of the analogy is like back then like when there was a stressor it was very clear when the stressor ended like the the bear was chasing you and then you know like you escaped or whatever and you found safety and then that's that stressor was over and your body which had been like really revved up gets to have that moment of like (sighs) ah like ah it's over it's over um now though our lives are full of of these stressors that are much more covert know the like the work stress and the family stress and the relationship stress and not that it's like all bad necessarily but our bodies just it's not obvious it's not like oh now like now this really big exam is over and like now I can just breathe right your body doesn't just know that intuitively and so you have to it's like you have to get your your mind caught up like through your body, and there's lots of ways to do it. And for for me, it's usually exercise. Um, and like I'm, I'm not really a runner, but like if it's if it's not a beautiful day, if it's not like a Sunday morning, and if it's like a, a dark like evening on like winter, and I'm running, like you better check in on me because <laughs> like something, <I'm, laughs> something's going on. I am trying to complete a cycle of some sort. But it's just kind of like getting out of your head back into your body. And then like, like after that, the parasympathetic system comes back online and you're like, oh, like it's over. Because if you don't do that, if you don't physically have that completion of the stress cycle, you're just, you just stay in this perpetual state of stress, which is just
0: taxing on the body. And frankly, I mean, it's so easy to be in that space, right? Because right now it's like you watch the news you're stressed out you're trying to get your kids out the door for school you're stressed out you're trying to get your day organized you're stressed out you know someone says something that upsets you and you know I'm really good at not doing this now but I do know a lot of my clients do this where it's like I said this thing did they take it wrong and they storytell into like oblivion Where they're Mm -hmm. telling themselves, and I'm like, no, 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 like stop, (laughs) you're creating the stress, like don't create it if it's not in existence, we don't need to add, because it's coming like information comes from every angle and the radio's on and social media and it's just never ending, right? That's part one of Lauren Miller's interview. Please join me for part two, where Lauren shares even more insight into her super type A attempt at being Zen. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit www.yorkmotivational.com for more information on My Super Taipei Attempt at Being Zen, the coaching program, lead without permission, or visit our contact page to reach out to Risha. Wishing you all continued balance and fulfillment on your road to Zen.